Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. If you are habitually in strife with people, and that becomes your testimony in the world, striving and quarreling. This person never can be pleased. They don't get along with anybody. There's a warning. We normally don't apply it to strife and jealousy. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Would you turn back to Genesis chapter 13? Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? Awesome, isn't it? (laughs) So what do you do when a situation like this arises and herdsmen are arguing and fussing with each other and constantly you're getting the report, you know, coming into your tent. Lots of herdsmen are at the well in front of our... How many of you have people that come to you all day like this? You own a company, you're a parent. Abram's herdsmen are taking to the, they're taking the good grass. And I'm sure at some point it was like, oy vey. Can't we just all get along? <laughs> Abram, verse 8, chapter 13, Genesis, said to Lot, please. Let, you ever been here before? Please. Let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Unlike Cain, Abram saw himself as his brother's keeper. He said, we're brothers. You know, in the church, we could say the same thing. Please let there be no strife among us. We're brothers. The Hebrew could be rendered this way. I pray you that there be no strife among us, please. Blessed are the peacemakers. Look, you you do what you can to be at peace with all men, and sometimes it's impossible. Romans 12, 18 says, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. But do your part. If you've exhausted your part, that's when Romans 12, 18 becomes an escape hatch as much as it depends upon you, but make sure you've done what you can to be a peacemaker. And here's Abram, this great giant of the faith. He's been given all these promises of God, and he leads the way. He sets the example. He's the older man, and it's appropriate that he brings an appeal of wisdom. How beautiful, how lovely, how wonderful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. So Abram comes to him with the peace offering, and he says, is not the whole land before you please, I pray you, verse 9, separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. In, In essence, Abram, with a second please, let there be peace among us, says, look, we need to solve this And it's obvious that it's not working and the land can't sustain us. So you go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. Now the interesting thing about this is that Abram shouldn't have had to do that. Lot should have done that. 
the older man who was leading the group and in charge of the whole group, Lot should have deferred to him. Lot should have come to his uncle and said, uncle, thank you for all the blessings I've received by being part of your group here. It's obvious to me that the land cannot sustain us. I'm gonna go, you, in fact, you choose, uncle. You choose where you wanna go and I'll go the other way. But Lot did not do that. And it gives me a little insight about Lot's character. And I'll say this to you. We know from 2 Peter that Lot was a righteous man. But that doesn't mean he was a perfect man. And just like Abram had his issues and his lack of faith and distrust in God and his lies that he told, so Lot was the same. And Lot should have deferred to the older of the family, but he did not do that. And that was inappropriate. And I just want to park here for a second and tell you, we have a lot to work on with the younger generation. We need to teach the younger generation how to shake a hand firmly how to look somebody in the eye when you meet them, how to have basic manners. We're losing that, you guys. We're we're in a generation where we're coddling too many children. We need to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Do you agree? Teach them how to shake somebody's hand. Teach them how to be polite. Teach them how to look up from their phone and actually greet somebody. Now, I know we're all looking at our devices. I don't want a broad brush here, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Lot should have deferred to his uncle, but the uncle did it. And he said, look, you choose, and I'll go the opposite way. Don't merely look out for your own interests, Philippians 2 says, but look out for the interests of others. Don't just try to please yourself. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, though existing in very nature, God did not consider equality with God a thing to be held onto or grasped, but he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant. He was made in the likeness of men, and he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross, and thus God, what? Highly exalted him. He gave him the name which is above every name. In the kingdom of God, when you defer, when you take the last place, even though you have rights, Abram could have said, you know what? I have rights here, Lot. You're the nephew, I'm the uncle. You defer to me, but he didn't do that. And in Abram, we see a type of Christ. The upside-down kingdom is you defer to others. You don't just look out for your own interests and you trust that God will bless you. And listen to this. I believe this is an indication that Abram learned his lesson from Egypt. Because instead of doing it and taking it upon himself to make the decision, he deferred. He trusted God with the results. He said, you choose, and I'm gonna trust that God is going to lead me the way he would have me to go. And Lot lifted up his eyes, verse 10, Genesis 13, and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like Eden. It was like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar, 
One common thing about all these places, Sodom and Gomorrah, the Garden of Eden and the land of Egypt is they were all judged by God. (laughs) Just an interesting insight. And so Lot chose for himself. He looked upon the land, all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents where? As far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly. This phrase in Hebrew suggests that they were living a level lower than normal sinners, and they were sinners against the Lord. This place had a reputation way back in the day. Lot probably knew about the reputation, but he looked at the travel brochure, and it sure looked nice. (laughs) Green places, well-watered, Jordan Valley, beautiful, like compared to the Garden of Eden or the rich, beautiful places of Egypt near Zoar. And so he looked, but did he look with the eyes of faith? I don't think so. I think he looked with the eyes of the flesh, and he said, but that's a beautiful place. See you later, uncle. Good luck in the desert. (laughs) I'm going over there. I'm claiming that for myself. And he, notice, settled the keyword in the cities of the valley, and he moved his tents as far as Sodom. And you all know, if we fast forward in the story, that this becomes a very bad career move for Lot. Very bad. In fact, the word down would describe what is happening now in Lot's life. Quickly, the first step in Lot's fall was he looked towards Sodom, Genesis 13.10. The place had a bad reputation, but he pitched his tent, Genesis 13.12 NIV, near Sodom. He liked the advantages of the area. He, he didn't think, uh, we won't get caught up in the life. Maybe he said, uh, we can handle it. Me and my family will be good. And you know, Lot, the Bible tells us, was vexed by the unrighteous behavior of the men and women of Sodom. But you know what? Even though he felt like he could handle it, his family couldn't handle it. His wife became enamored with Sodom In fact, when the angels are leading them out of Sodom, she what? She looks back. She, her heart was there. His sons-in-law, his daughters married men from Sodom. His sons-in-law, when he warned them about the destruction of Sodom, they thought he was joking. He lost his wife at Sodom. His daughters, there's an escapade that happens with his daughters right after that terrible destruction, which we'll learn about later in the book. And it would appear that with all of Lot's compromises and justifications in Sodom, he did not have one single convert. In fact, he lost his wife there. Oh, we can handle it. We'll set up the tents right near Sodom. The land's beautiful. Oh, those people won't touch us there in Sin City. We'll be good. So Genesis 14, 12 tells us that he took another step. He was living in Sodom, Genesis 14, 12, a story that's ahead of us. And finally, he was sitting in the gate of Sodom, Genesis 19, 1. Not only did he move into the town, but he became one of the elders of the city, 
one of the leading businessmen and perhaps even a judge of the city. You see, it was a slide down. Boy, it looked good to the eyes. Remind you of something? Genesis 3. And then, well, we'll be fine. We'll just move to the edge of town. Oh, no, we'll be in town. Oh, I think I'll become an elder because I can be a change agent in town. And Lot left there with less than he brought in. And we think, oh, we can do it. My family can handle it. No, your wife couldn't. And Jesus says in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. It didn't end well. The decision that Lot made in the flesh was a decision that not only impacted him, it impacted his family. It was the biggest mistake of his life. Yes, Lot was righteous. Yes, he was vexed by the ungodly behavior in Sodom. But no, it doesn't mean just because Lot didn't like what was going on that he didn't compromise and he sacrificed his family at the altar of what looked convenient. We can go here. We can do this. It's okay. Instead of humbling himself before his uncle, he let his flesh lead the way. James Montgomery Boyce comments, Lot looked from the heights of Bethel to the plain of the Jordan. He saw that it was well watered like Eden or Egypt and chose the Jordan. You may think that you are different from Lot, but if you have put your job ahead of your family's spiritual life, if you've put social advancement ahead of a proper association with God's people, if you've let your choice of home keep you from a church in which you grow in faith and worship, you have moved from the highlands to the plain of the Jordan. I know you will say that you can serve God there as well as at Bethel, Lot would have said, I'm as eager as you to serve the Lord. After all, the cities of the plain need witnesses too. That was true. They did. But Lot's heart was not about witnessing. He was doing nothing for God. His heart was set on his possessions, sophistication, glamour. And for that, he lost everything. In fact, the statement in 1 Corinthians 3.15 that One will be saved as one escaping the flames. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, excuse me, 3.15 may be a picture of Lot. He was saved yet as through the fire. What fire? The fire that rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord, look at 14, we're wrapping it down now said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. So now the camera pans back to Abram, and Abram watches Lot go off, and what do you think is in his mind? Hmm. Well, my nephew did not defer to me. I wonder what he's going to find over there. Boy, that is beautiful land. But Lord, you're teaching me to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to walk by faith. And the Lord spoke to Abram, He said, look at right after he separated from Lot. Now lift up your eyes, verse 14, and look from the place where you are, northward, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Look all around. Lift up your eyes. This is the same language that described Lot's intense look at the Jordan Valley. But now Abram was told by God, look, 
Look around, look in all directions. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. You made a decision by faith. Now I'm going to give you eyes of faith. According to the Genesis Apocryphon, in chapter 21, there's a Jewish writing, they were at Ramoth Hazor, about five miles northeast of Bethel, at the highest spot in central Israel, well over 3,000 feet high. From there, Abram could view Mount Hermon in the north, the Dead Sea and the hills of Hebron to the south, the Jordan to the east, and the Mediterranean to the sea, Mediterranean sea in the west. And everywhere he looked, God said, that's yours. That's yours. I'm giving that to you. And Abram was assured that he had made a good decision. Even the land that he thought he had given up was his. It was all his. God, right after a test of his faith, spoke to him. And I've noticed that this is what God does in my life. I'll make a decision. Sometimes it's a hard decision. And God will reassure me by something I hear that I've done what he's called me to do. All the land which you see, I will give it to you, 15, and to your descendants forever. For Abram, Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 11.10. Do you need some eyes of faith tonight? You need some fresh perspective from heaven. You need to know that a decision that you made for the sake of the kingdom is the right one. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes you just got to pray, Lord, give me your eyes. Because what I see right now doesn't make sense to me, but give me eyes of faith. And God says, and I will make your descendants, 16, literally your seed as the dust of the earth. So that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, remember, he's got a wife that's barren right now. Then your descendants can also be numbered. And God says, arise, this is Australian now, and go on walkabout. Verse 17, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. God says, now look at, look at it, now start walking, and every step you take is yours. Every step you take, step by step, he leads me and I will follow him all of my days. The life of faith is a step-by-step -step walk claiming territory for Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? And God says, start walking, go on walkabout, walk everywhere, everywhere you walk. Claim that land because it is yours and it is from me. Earliest Jewish commentaries in concert with the practice of the ancient world, understood God's directive walking about the land was a symbolic act signifying legal acquisition of the land. He was thus seeing the promises and literally walking upon the promises by faith. Every step he took, he said, that's mine. That's mine. 
Those three, they're mine. That's mine. That's mine. And that's what you've got to remember as a Christian. In fact, the Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to him get this, belongs to you and me. I don't know if I believe it. Believe it. Just say, he's mine. That's mine. And look with the eyes of faith. That's what it means to walk by faith. You see, before us is two men. One look with the eyes of the flesh. One look with the eyes of faith. Are you depressed, downcast? Can you not even look up? I heard a story about a man who found a $10 bill on the sidewalk. So excited to find that bill, he just looked down and there was $10. And he spent the rest of his life looking down for money. Never looked up again. Is that you? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Think about it. Downcast means you don't even want to look up anymore. And God says, lift up your eyes. Maybe Abram, when Lot walked off, he, maybe he looked down. And God said, lift up your eyes. Look all around you. You haven't lost one foot of ground. All of this, as far as your eye can see, is yours. And Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, 18, which are in Hebron. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord. Pastor Chris, would you come up? And would you all turn to Psalm 121? Pastor Chris is going to share a song with us that goes with this psalm. Psalm 121. Would you all turn there? This is our final scripture. Psalm 121. I want you to see this for yourself and mark it as the Lord would speak to you. Psalm 121. A song of ascents. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Psalm 121, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. And he will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Father, thank you so much that in the story of Abram and Lot, we see choices and consequences. Thank you that you are so gracious when we make mistakes and lack faith. Thank you that you're leading us into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Until that day comes, give us fresh eyes of faith to know how much we possess in Jesus Christ. We are 
richer than we could ever imagine. And when we go through hard times and we're downcast and struggling and wondering what decision to make, which way should we turn, help us to walk by faith and not by sight and know that you are our help. I look to the heavens, I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. If you love me enough to die on the cross and rise from the grave, then I think we can trust you with the rest. But help us, Lord, increase our faith. Strengthen us in this area of our walk. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you've been listening to these radio messages and you've opened your heart to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you may be asking the question, what do I do now? Let me give you four things really quick of what to do after you become a Christian. Number one is read your Bible. You know, the Bible is like spiritual nourishment for your soul. It's spiritual food for the inner man. So think of your Bible as food for the soul. Get into your Bible and get your Bible into you. Open it up and read it for yourself. Number two, find a good, healthy Bible teaching church. You know, it's not enough for a church to say they're Bible believing. Make sure that they're Bible teaching and make sure that they teach in an expository fashion, going through passages and explaining the meaning of the text. Number three is to pray. You know, prayer is really a two-way communication with you and God. Pray with an open Bible. Keep your heart open. The Lord will speak to you primarily through the scriptures, but he can also speak to your heart and show you what to do. And number four is share your faith with others. Tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ that you have embraced personally in your life. Tell them about how you've been born again to a living hope in Christ. That will give them the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ themselves. And it will also keep you accountable to this new life that you have in Christ. If we can be of help in any way at Living Truth Radio, we'd like to know. We'd like to know if you made a decision to follow Christ. And if you're looking for a church to plug into, use the contact form at livingtruthradio.org and let us know. We'd love to help you. If you have questions, if you are looking for a healthy church, if we can help you in any way, let us know. LivingTruthRadio.org is the website. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.